0: A picture is worth a thousand words, but a memory is priceless. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello, welcome to episode 154. The topic of this episode is Mastering Memory. My guest this week is Chester Santos. Chester is an author and the international man of memory. He has left an impression on all corners of the earth. With his unique ability to not only demonstrate extraordinary feats of the mind, he also educates others to do the same. The U.S. memory champion is widely regarded to be the world's leading memory skills expert. Through his entertaining and educational television and movie appearances, professional seminars, and best-selling books, Chester has helped millions of people around the world to realize the benefits of an improved memory and sharper mind. Hi, Chester. Welcome to Trina Talk. Thank you
1: so much for having me, Trina. I'm looking forward to talking with you.
0: I'm excited to have you. Um, As we were discussing, um, you're the... International Man of Memory. So before we get into that, tell the listeners exactly who you are and how you come to be the Chester that you are today.
1: Sure. Uh, So my name is Chester Santos, also known as the International Man of Memory. I won the United States National Memory Championship. And since then, I've gone on to help people develop the skills that I needed to develop in order to win the U.S. Memory Championship. I help people to develop those powerful memory skills and leverage them for more success in one's career, uh, personal life. Also, if people have any kids or grandkids in school, memory skills are useful there as well. I've given presentations now in more than 30 uh, different countries on, on that topic.
0: So how did you, how did you get to be the man of memory. How did you come to do this? Cause I'm, I mean, is this something, what did you do before you did this? And how did you come to be this person today?
1: Yeah. So actually how I ended up, you know, in the field that I'm, I'm in now is pretty random. Uh I, was flipping channels one night. I happened to catch a segment on ABC's 2020, that evening news program. They had a segment on the United States National Memory Championship. It sparked my interest just because I would often get the comment from people. People would say, wow, you have a really good memory. So with those comments kind of in the back of my mind, when I caught the episode on TV, I thought, hey, people say I have a good memory. Maybe I can do well in this national memory competition, but I quickly found out when I was looking into, okay, what are the best people in the country scoring in these events? Uh, they, you know, the, the top competitors were memorizing hundreds of names, hundreds of computer generated random digits, decks of playing cards perfectly in just minutes. So I found out I wasn't on that level, but um, I was above average. I needed to get to those highest levels. That's when I started doing research into how Can one magnify their memory ability from where where it currently uh, is at? And I guess that's what uh, really led me into this, the place that I'm at now.
0: So what did you do before you started doing this when you were just flipping through the channels? What What was your occupation?
1: Yeah, so I have, I guess it was a long route to what I'm doing now spent a lot of time in school. So I have an undergraduate degree in psychology from UC Berkeley, which is related to the field of memory. I originally had majored in psychology to go to law school. I went to uh, law school for not quite two years, about a year and a half. Uh, I was not enjoying it at all. I went into it, to be honest, for the wrong reasons. Um, and I ended up dropping out and getting a master's degree in software engineering. Instead, uh, I was working in the Silicon Valley area as a software engineer. And it was during that, uh, time period where I caught the segments, uh, on TV and I, I decided I was going to start competing in these memory championships.
0: Okay. So how does one prepare to go into a memory championship? Because, Like me, I think I always have, my mind is always on overdrive. So I always have so many things in my mind that I'll walk into a room and go, what did I come here for? And then after a few seconds, I'm like, okay, I came here for this. So how do you make, I guess, make your memory better to compete in a membership, in a a championship? How do you do that?
1: Yeah. So for the United States Memory Championship and also the World Memory Championship, which I I represented uh, the United States in that. Uh, later on, it's just like training for physical competition. Uh, you basically have to know the events in and out how they work, all of the rules, and then just spend your time practicing those events as much as possible you know pushing your pushing yourself beyond your your current limits until you eventually reach that level that you're going for so I mean I think for uh, most people that are familiar more with physical sports think of it in the same way. But in this case, I'm memorizing a deck of playing cards, recording the time, trying to memorize it faster, recording the time. For instance, that's one way to go about practicing, printing out sheets of computer generated random digits, memorizing as much as I can in five minutes. So since that's the time limit in the actual United States memory championship, seeing how many digits I can get through perfectly then pushing myself, you know, to do more and more and more. So just like I guess if you were similar to what you would do if you were preparing for a marathon or something like that, trying to improve your times, it's sort of the same thing with with something like a
0: a memory competition. Wow. So you just made my head hurt. <laughs> so so when you print these random numbers, are you looking to memorize every number on the page or certain sequence? Do you have a a strategy? How does that work?
1: Yeah. So it's just within the rules of the event. So again, that's why I'd mentioned it's going to be key first to understand each event that you'll be competing in thoroughly, right? (laughs) All of the rules uh, thoroughly, and then you're going to practice within those rules. So in that particular case, how the event would work in the competition is they're going to give you a sheet of computer generated random digits and you're going to have to memorize it in order right hmm. the longest sequence that you can get correct in 5 minutes when the 5 minutes is up they're going to take away all of the sheets right and then you're going to have to write that out from memory in 5 minutes and you know let's say you're you're attempting to write out let's say you're attempting to write out 50 digits okay but there's a mistake at the 10th digit, your score will only be nine digits. So it, you know, once you have a mistake, the scoring stops there. So you really have to, you have to know what you're able to do without making a mistake. So again, I would say it's pretty similar to, uh, a lot of events, say in like the the Olympics coming up, you know, you have to what's the best you can do, but without making an error. Right. Because okay. an error will will uh, dramatically uh, impact your score in a negative way.
0: So you say that people would say you have a great memory. Um, was it on this level? Because I'm pretty sure yeah, you're you're studying the rules of the championship, but I'm pretty sure there's also some conditioning that you have to do for yourself and your mind. When you were just going, you know, living your life day to day, and people would say, Oh, you have good memory, did you know that? Was that intentional? Or were were you one of these people that could see something and remember it?
1: Yeah. So I just had a better than average memory to begin with. I at that point didn't have any sort of formal memory training um, didn't really have any specific types of techniques that I was using. I was probably just good at coming up with connections in my mind between something that I wanted to remember and something that I already knew. Um, But in order to raise it beyond the level that I started out with, I really had to learn a lot of different techniques. So I read all of the different books that I could find on the topic. I did a lot of online research. I experimented with many things, found what seemed to be working best for me personally, stuck to training myself with that small subset of techniques until eventually I did manage to win the United States Memory Championship. And again, now I've been training people around the world in the small subset of techniques that I feel are the most effective and can give you the most benefit right away in your, uh, you know, professional development, personal development, and also applicable to school.
0: Mm. So, share with us some of those techniques that you ha- that you teach and um, train on.
1: Yeah. So there, no matter what specific memory technique you end up using, there are always going to be three main principles that come into play. Principle number one is visualization. We tend to be really good at remembering things that we see. So an example that I like to give uh, that a lot of people can relate to, you might run into someone that you could have met years in the past. Oftentimes, right away, you remember their face. You know that you've met them somewhere before, but you can't seem to remember the name, right? It's a pretty common experience. Uh, a second example related to this, let's say you go to a party, you meet a lot of new people. Two weeks after that party is over, you're talking with one of your friends that was there. Your friend describes someone to you. Your friend says, hey, Trina, do you remember that attorney that we met a couple weeks ago? He's also a member of the Chamber of Commerce. As your friend is describing the person from the party to you, you can picture usually who they're talking about, Right. You might even remember what that person was wearing at the party when you met them. Obviously, your friend can can visualize who they're describing to you, right? But a lot of times, neither one of you can remember what the person's name was. It's really frustrating to you. So those examples that I just gave, I think, illustrate pretty well that when it comes to dealing with people, we tend to be pretty good at remembering people's faces. We can remember what people look like. We're not nearly as good at remembering people's names. This makes sense because when we interact with people in various ways, we see the face. Mm -hmm. The face is recorded into our visual memory, but the name is something much more abstract to the brain. So in terms of names, one thing I recommend is try to turn the names into visual. So if I meet someone named Mike, I might picture a microphone, If I meet Hmm. someone named Alice, I might picture a white rabbit because that would remind me of Alice in Wonderland. So, um, visuals are very powerful. I can talk about names in more detail if there's any interest and if you think we have time later on in the interview, but I just use those examples to illustrate the power of visualizing the information. That's something that's going to make it much easier to remember later on because we're good at remembering things that we see. So second principle um, is from there, try to involve as many additional senses as you can. So visual, very important first, but beyond that, try to add, you know, touch, uh, smell, taste. If you can add this to what you're experiencing in your mind, because as you do that, You will be activating more and more areas of your brain, and you will be building more and more connections in your mind to the information. So, I starred in an episode of PBS's Nova Science. Mm -hmm. If anybody wants to check it out at some point, the episode that I starred in was titled, How Smart Can We Get on PBS? Or maybe it's probably easier just to Google my name, Chester Santos and PBS. You can watch it for free on the PBS website. You'll see me performing some crazy memory feats. I also trained David Pogue. People might know him from CBS News. He's currently a correspondent for CBS News. He's also been a correspondent for the New York Times, for the technology industry. I trained him on the show. After a little bit of training, he was able to perform some pretty cool memory feats. They then had some brain scientists, neuroscientists, come on the show and explain for people watching at home on TV, you know, how, okay, how can the ordinary average person benefit from this? What's, what's going on with all of this? How, how is Chester memorizing all that stuff? How is David Pogue doing it after a little training with Chester? And these brain scientists confirm that it's because with these techniques that I've mastered and that we'll cover a little bit, uh, during the interview, part of it is recruiting extra areas of the brain. And to do this, you want to use more senses. The more senses you involve, the more of your brain you're activating. So that's the second principle of three. Uh, The third and final principle that will always come into play, no matter what specific technique you end up using, is the psychological aspect of human memory. And that is all of us remember things very easily that catch us by surprise, that are weird extraordinary in some way, right? So if Trina, the room that you're in, uh, for people listening or watching this later on, the room that they're in, if an elephant suddenly crashed into the room at this moment, and it started to spray water all over you with its trunk, if that actually happened at this moment, you would probably remember that for the rest of your life. And always tell that story, even 30 years from now. You'd probably be be at a dinner. Okay, you're 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 never gonna believe this. I was interviewing this memory guy for my show during the interview. An elephant just crashed into the room, started spraying water at me. It was the most incredible, most unbelievable thing. So, and without any effort on your part to try to remember that, right? So that is this psychological aspect to human memory. We tend to remember crazy things even without trying to remember it. So just realizing there is that aspect of human memory, we can take advantage of it and apply it to things that could be very beneficial to remember things like names to get more out of business networking, right. To build Hmm. better relationships with clients, potential clients, colleagues, Uh, remembering presentations to be a more effective and persuasive speaker, minimizing the amount of notes Memorizing facts and figures to better demonstrate your expertise. foreign language vocabulary to better build rapport with people that might speak other languages. Exam training material. I mean, it just goes on and on. Memory is really fundamental to learning. So if you can develop memory skills, uh, you're going to have a huge advantage in just about every different area of your life. And that's it. Those were the three principles. Once you've got those down, then you can start to really apply them to, you know, all sorts of different memory techniques, depending on the information type.
0: Mm, okay. So let's do some exercises. Cause I'm, I'm curious. I, I need help in this <laughs> memory area. So yeah, teach me something. Okay, cool.
1: Um, if you're up for it, I mentioned that I, I might try to spring it on you. I'm glad that you're you're up for at least giving it a try. I know some hosts don't don't want to go through, uh, you know, an exercise in the middle of the interview. But let's just just see how it goes. I'm gonna have you try to very quickly memorize a long random list of words, and I think it will be beneficial for the audience to follow along, see how they do, so they can try to develop these these new skills. And 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 I, I promise to um, make it clear how you'll actually use this in your life later on. But for now, it'll be just random words. So the word list is going to be monkey, iron, rope, kite, house, paper, shoe, worm, envelope, pencil, river, rock, tree, cheese, and dollar. So that's the word list. Now, when I have a live audience, if this were like a presentation, people usually look at me at this point like, this guy is obviously crazy. There's no way I'm going to be able to remember that not unless you give me a lot of time to do it. And if people were to attempt committing all of those words to memory, how they would do it is they would want to write the words down over and over again. They would want to read them over and over again or recite them continuously. Basically, rote memorization mm. until it's drilled into their head. That approach is not effective at all in mm. terms of long-term memory. Uh, if you manage to get it in your head, it would be only for the very short term. And it's pretty boring mm-hmm. to, to do it in that way. So instead, what we'll do is incorporate those three principles that I talked about earlier. And I'm going to guide you through a visual, right? We're going to go through an uh, an interesting kind of funny story here. Just do your best to visualize what I described to you. Uh, Trina, you can do it with your eyes opened or closed, whatever's more comfortable for you. So the first word was monkey. I just want you, for you to visualize a monkey. That's all. Just mm-hmm. see this monkey in your head. The monkey is just dancing around, making monkey noises. Ooh, 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 ooh. Whatever monkey would sound like. I'm working on the monkey impression. The point here is to see and hear the monkey in your mind, right? The monkey now picks up a gigantic iron, maybe like you would iron your clothes with. So just see this monkey is dancing around with this giant iron. The iron starts to fall, but a rope attaches itself to the iron. Maybe even feel the rope. Maybe it feels sort of rough. Really just Mm -hmm. feel that rope. You look up the rope. You see the other end of the rope is attached to a kite. And it's flying around in the air. You reach up, maybe try and touch that kite. Picture that kite. The kite now crashes into the side of a house. Mm -hmm. See it Mm -hmm. smash into the house. The house, you notice, is covered in paper. It's just completely covered in paper, picture that. The next word I had given was paper. Out of nowhere, a shoe appears and it starts to walk all over that paper. Maybe it's messing it up as it's walking on it, that shoe. The shoe smells pretty badly. So you decide to investigate and see why. You look inside and you find a smelly worm crawling around in the shoe. Really see that worm. The worm now jumps out of the shoe and into an envelope maybe it's going to mail itself or something i don't know but envelope was next so see that worm go into the envelope or envelope out of nowhere a pencil appears out of thin air it starts to write all over that envelope just see it writing on it maybe it's addressing it the pencil the pencil now jumps into a river and there's a huge splash like you would never expect to see when it hits the river The river you notice is crashing up against a giant rock. Picture that. This rock flies out of the river and it crashes into a tree. Really see it smash into the tree. This tree is growing cheese. You probably haven't seen a tree like that. This one is growing cheese. And and out of the cheese shoots a dollar. A dollar just shoots out of the cheese. Try and visualize that dollar coming out there. See the dollar. All right. That was everything. Now I'm going to run through this again very quickly in about 30 seconds. Okay. And your job is to simply just replay through this little story that you've created in your mind. So we start off with a monkey. All right. That monkey was dancing around with what? It was an iron. What then attached to the iron? It was a rope that you felt the rope, right? The other end of the rope was attached to a kite, right? The kite crashed into something. It crashed into a house yeah. what was that house covered in it was covered in paper yeah really see that paper what was walking all over the paper it was a shoe visualize that shoe something smelly was crawling in that shoe it was a worm really see that worm the worm jumped into an envelope really see it go into that envelope what was writing on the envelope? It was a pencil. Pencil was writing on it. See the pencil. The pencil jumped into a river. See it hit the river. The river was crashing into the rock. That rock flew into a tree. Really see it hit the tree. What was that tree growing? It was growing cheese. And what came out of the cheese? It was a dollar. All right? So now it should be somewhat easy to... Recite to me all of those random words by going through the story in your mind. Each major object that you see in the story will give you the next random word. I'll leave it up to you, Trina, if you want to give it a try there. Um, whether or not you do, I hope people from the audience will at least, you know, attempt to recite it to themselves and see how they do. But let's try. Like, are you, yeah, you let's try. Give it a try. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Do your best. Take your time. Take your time.
0: Okay. Monkey, iron, rope, kite, house, paper, shoe, worm, envelope, pencil, river, rock, tree, cheese, dollar.
1: 100%. Wow. (laughs) That was awesome. That was perfect. And you know, under pressure too, that that's uh, that's very impressive. It's hard under the pressure of you know, in the middle of your own interview, somebody's <laughs> springing, basically springing a test on you there. So um, really well done. And you know, I'm sure if people tried it out, they could even recite those backwards by just going through the story uh, in in reverse. Um so that technique there is called the story method it's just one of uh many techniques that memory champions like myself use to pull off what to you know at first it might look like some kind of extraordinary memory feat they've had me on a lot of different tv shows science channel discovery channel cnn uh most recently bbc world news mm. they'll have me perform what might seem like a memory feat and then give tips viewers at home as to how they can improve their own ability to remember things but really there's nothing different about my brain at all compared to anyone else's I've just learned these techniques that are powerful and effective I've put in a little bit of practice your entire audience everybody listening or watching this interview later can do so much more with their memory than they might currently think it's just a little bit of practice with the right techniques and there are so many benefits to this and we can get into those,
0: you know, uh, as we have time for. No. Oh, so go right into it, go into the benefits.
1: Yeah. So, you know, at first people might think this just applies to random words, but in fact, such a simple technique can be very powerful when utilized in the right way. So for instance, you can use this simple story method to reduce the amount of notes when giving a presentation. Let's say I were to give a talk about healthcare in the United States, always a hot topic for people to discuss in the US. My first image might simply be of a stethoscope that the doctor uses to check your heartbeat. That's just going to represent the broad topic of healthcare. Okay. Now, the first thing I want to cover in my presentation, talk about with the audience, is the high cost of healthcare in the United States. So maybe shooting out of the stethoscope or a bunch of $100 bills, right? Mm. The next thing I need to hit on in my presentation is that under current healthcare programs, in order to get certain things covered, a lot of times we need to find a way to cut through or navigate through a lot of red tape, maybe wrapping itself around the $100 bills is all of this red tape. So I think that should give people an idea of how you could just outline your presentation of, you know, uh, all the points and subpoints, and come up with simple images that would serve as basically mental note cards for those major points and subpoints. You could definitely minimize the amount of notes you use. Eventually, getting to no notes at all, you can maintain eye contact with the aud- audience the entire time. You'll be so much more persuasive, uh, much more effective as a speaker. I've I've been a speaker again in more than 30 countries, sometimes I have world famous professors that are also talking at the conference. And unfortunately, I won't name any names or anything, but if you look at the comment cards, sometimes, you know, they might not get the best review from the audience, although they are a world-class expert Mm -hmm. in that field. And it's simply because their presentation was basically, here's slide number one on my research Mm -hmm. with a bunch of charts and graphs. Here's slide number two on my research. They're basically reading the slides and the audience is like falling asleep. So it's definitely going to be uh, very powerful if you can at least minimize, you know, the amount of slides and, and the amount of information on each individual slide. So that's one application, but this could be applied for entrepreneurs to meetings with clients and potential clients. Mm -hmm. So here are five, 10 key things that I learned about you and your company in my research before we, we, we came to meet with each other today. Here are five, 10 key ways as to how myself and my services in particular are perfect for you. Here are five, 10 key things I learned about your competitors and your industry. If you can do this, When meeting with a potential client and you maintain eye contact with them, just showing that you know all of this, right? rather than looking through a bunch of notes the entire time or answering a lot of their questions with, "Uh, I'm kind of familiar with that, but let me do some research, get back to you. You just won't be as impressive. But if you can do all of that, even as I mentioned, five, 10 key strategic things mentioned during The meeting, you can come off as very impressive, as very knowledgeable, as much more of an expert in your particular field. And nowadays, if we're honest, if we're just honest about it, nowadays, the average professional is not using their memory at all Mm -hmm. and uh, is really declining in terms of not only memory, but a lot of different mental skills. Because we're outsourcing uh, this stuff to electronic devices, mm-hmm. so the flip side is, if you work on your memory even to a small degree, nowadays people notice it. People are going to say, "Wow, I mean, that's impressive. You learn, you know, all of that stuff about me and my company. Like, I can't believe you know all of those facts and figures off the top of your head." And we always want to do business with people that we perceive to be. Uh, an expert, we perceive them to be intelligent. We're gonna have more confidence in those people and their abilities when they have some memory skills.
0: That's so true. I mean, I'm just listening to you and I'm like, yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's it's very impressive to do that. And my thing is, so are you saying that like me in my everyday life to improve my memory, I have to associate everything with that story, with that, to kind of keep that link going, um, to do it that way. That's like, that's the way to do it. So everything you're basically thinking of an association to memorize what you need to memorize.
1: Yeah. So that is definitely one approach. Um, there are, again, there are a lot of different techniques. I have an entire online school wow. dedicated to helping you develop your memory skills. So there's definitely a lot that people can learn, but what we covered those three main principles, visualization, utilizing additional senses. Also, while you're seeing and experiencing this stuff, making it crazy, unusual, extraordinary, those three main principles will always apply no matter the specific technique. One very powerful, easy to learn, like in a few minutes, you learned it is that story technique and it can be creatively applied to many different situations like presentations, like meeting with clients, potential clients, but there will be different approaches depending on the specific information type. So let's say instead of a presentation, you know, you were at some kind of conference or or meeting and you wanted to be able to remember the names of the 20 people that you met in the room. Um, I had briefly hit on you know a visual for the name like you know, a microphone for Mike, you would want to also, in the case of names, add something else there. Also link the image to something unique about the person's look. What is unique to you about their look? So if I'm meeting someone named Mike, and I think to me, he's got interesting looking or unique looking hair, I might imagine that the microphone is getting tangled up in his hair. So what happens is the next time you see the person later on in the conference or at the end of the meeting, right, you want to try and see if you remember everyone's name, all you have to do is ask yourself what is noticeable to you about the person's look, what you initially personally noticed is very likely what you'll notice again, you'll notice the hair, the image that you put there will come right back to you. So you're going to see the microphone getting tangled up in the hair. It's going to remind you that this person's name is Mike. So it's a little bit of a different approach rather than with the story. We're linking each subsequent uh, visual to the previous visual. In the case of names, we're linking a visual representation of the name to something visual on the person themselves, something about their look. So you'll see again, basically the print, the main overarching principles remain the same, but how you exactly implement them will differ based on, you know, the exact information type.
0: Yeah. So I guess it depends on what works well for you, whether it's the story or just equating something visual. So like we went through the story. So I'm a visual person too. So we went through the story. I was listening to the story doing the visual. And that actually is what helped me to actually, you know, to see, to see it going along. So, yeah. So me getting that visual in my head, um, I can do like, I can even, (laughs) and I hate to say this, but I've even gone to like the doctor's visit and I've looked at the chart (laughs) and then when they say, oh, read the chart and I can I could tell them all the letters and it's from memory. Cause I've sat there and okay. looked at it. <laughs> so, <I see. laughs> so I'm like, yeah, they like, read the lows. I'm like, Oh yeah. It's this is this. And they're like, Oh good. <laughs> and, but that's funny. Yeah. It's because I've looked at it like beforehand. So it, yeah. Yeah it's, yeah. it's just being a visual person. I guess I had that little strength, but this Thanks. is very interesting. And I'm wondering, um, in the places that you talk and people that you train, is this something that can be taught to people like to stop the onset of Alzheimer's? Is this something that you, that you train on or do you even um, know how that would work?
1: Yeah. So the brain fitness um, aspect of this, the brain exercise uh, is another aspect of this type of memory training. Now, as of today, uh, there is no doctor, no researcher that can tell you how to prevent yourself from getting Alzheimer's or any other form of dementia. They they have no clue still as of today. Um, so they can't say, you know, take these vitamins, do these exercises, and you're not gonna uh, develop Alzheimer's. But what the research is showing what they do believe is that by engaging in rigorous brain exercise, you can build up what they're calling a cognitive reserve. So if people want to Google that or otherwise look it up later on, cognitive reserve is the terminology that you will find used over and over in the research. They believe that this might help to make you more resistant if you do unfortunately end up developing some form of uh, dementia later in life. So you'll have more years of mental clarity that you wouldn't have had without this cognitive reserve. Basically, it means some extra brain muscle. So it's going to take more years before the disease will start to affect your core functioning. So you want to exercise your brain as much as possible. Obviously, these types of memory techniques, memory exercises are very good brain exercise in general. One of the best ways they say you can go about building uh, your cognitive reserve (laughs) is by learning foreign languages. And you're going to have a huge advantage in learning languages if you develop your memory skills. You can very quickly memorize new vocabulary words and short phrases if you master these types of techniques that we've been talking about today. Mm.
0: So I just, this question just popped in my head. I know earlier you were saying the rote memory is not really um, that good. So, I mean, most of us, that's how how we've learned, especially like going through school. That's what they've taught us, you know, basically the rote memory. Um yeah why why is it is it because we're just memorizing something for that m- moment and then we we release it once we've accomplished what we need to accomplish why is it that that doesn't stick with you like what you're what you're teaching your your principles
1: yeah so really what it comes down to with rote memory you're not efficiently using your brain mm. so with these types of techniques Without realizing it, you are activating many different areas of your brain. Um, that is really what makes this different, what makes this more powerful and more effective. I recommend if it's something important that you need to learn in the long term, that you combine these types of techniques that are going to activate many different areas of your brain. Also, just because it's a more creative approach, it's more interesting, right? And engaging. That helps. You want to combine all of this though with spaced repetition. What I mean by that is reviews spaced out over time as opposed to 20, 30 reviews crammed in tonight, right? Also known as cramming, how student mm-hmm. how students usually study for exams, right? So basically they can spit it all out on the exam and then it vanishes <laughs> from their head afterwards. Instead, you would want to review maybe the same day uh are initially um, You initially started to learn the information, do one review, ideally right before you go to sleep. That's something that's kind of a, a little brain hack there, because if you do that, your brain will actually process the information overnight. You'll wake up knowing the information better than you did the day before without any additional reviews. It's because your brain actually was processing, churning that information overnight it is actually one of the current theories as to why we sleep. So believe it or not, as of today, nobody knows uh, the definitive reason why human beings sleep, why we have to sleep. They do think one theory is that part of it has to do with the consolidation of important information into long-term memory. Uh, So definitely, if you review something before sleep, It's good for longer term retention. Then I would do another review maybe a week later at the end of the week, maybe a week after that, a couple weeks after that. And as you do more reviews, uh, you can take longer between the next review. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when you review it, then months later, you're going to know it maybe even, you know, many months or even a year. It starts, it really starts to get locked into your long term memory.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So like when you're reading, like some people like to read before they go to bed, is that good to do? Um, now I, I, I
1: don't know if that's going to affect as far as, you know, causing you to stay up Longer or something because your brain is churning through that information that you just read, I don't know about that, but I would say that it is it would be a good idea for retention. Okay. so if it's something that you want to remember uh, later on, re- reading that information or reviewing it right before sleep should be a, a good time to do it for sure huh. Wow, that's <laughs> so in terms of retention, good in terms of maybe staying up, I'm not sure. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I meant the retention part, but wow, this has been very uh, fascinating and very interesting. So, yeah, so that's interesting. So you, do you you actually work with people on helping them with their memory? Yeah,
1: so I do private coaching, but on a very limited uh, basis. It's not really a large part of what I do. Uh, mainly, I'm an international speaker at conferences, corporate events, uh, association, events all over the world. And then to help out individuals, I now have an entire online uh,
0: memory school. Oh, gotcha. All right. That's interesting. Well, I'm going to get into the question. So we're going to see how you can answer these. Are you ready? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. So number one is who or what motivates you?
1: Who or what motivates me? I guess, you know, myself in that trying to be better than the previous version of myself I'm always I'm very much into professional and personal development so really I personally like to uh, I enjoy developing new skills uh, I'm currently working on learning Russian myself uh, memory skills give me definitely a big advantage um, people are impressed with how quickly I can learn the new words but Uh, I even have other things to work on from there. I can remember the words, but the pronunciation is a little bit, uh, tougher for me getting my mouth tongue position, um, you know, getting that down correctly and pronouncing, pronouncing the words, uh, correctly, but languages, other skills development, um, am put motivated by, uh, personal and professional development.
0: Mm. What demotivates you? Demotivates me. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
1: That's a hard one. I don't know. I guess maybe fatigue can uh, is something. So you got to get enough sleep. Is very important for memory. By the way, enough sleep uh, is really good for. Or it's 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 very. Um, you want to get the the. It's seven to eight hours generally recommended. It will vary from individual to individual, but definitely get enough sleep. Uh, or it's gonna have a, a negative impact on your memory and other mental functions. So that usually makes me uh, less motivated when I when I'm traveling too much, didn't get enough sleep.
0: Mm. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good?
1: said or done to hurt me or worked but it worked for my good another. One there. So I don't know if it was necessarily said or done specifically to hurt me. But I will say that I got a lot of negative comments and discouragement when I went into this as a business. So, again, I have a master's degree in software engineering, I was working as a software engineer in the Silicon Valley, which is a pretty, you know, at least solid, um, comfortable career. So people thought I was crazy for trying to go into this, you know, memory field, training people, uh, speaking on the topic. So a lot of discouragement, negative comments, uh, in that respect, but it benefited me, I guess, in that maybe it made me even more motivated to prove people wrong. And now, you know, now I'm pretty happy with where I'm at and what I've been able to accomplish over, over the years.
0: What is your fear? Fear,
1: um, I guess fear is, is uh, not progressing, you know, not really not progressing is scary to me. Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to continually improve professionally and personally.
0: Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't?
1: Oh, yeah. um a lot of times, and it's usually I end up doing it. But I think one lesson I've learned is when something interests me, um, it's better for me to just do at least start it uh, right away. So actually, one of my favorite quotes is that you don't have to be great to start, but you do have to start to eventually become great at something. So I guess that's, I guess that's my answer. There, there are things that I, I wish I would have started earlier. Um, Cause I know in, in the end, it ended up being beneficial.
0: Okay. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something? Uh, is there a time that I wish I had not
1: done something? Let me think about that. Done I guess you know it's just in my you know everyone's experience will, of course, differ. But I, I've been a one man business now for thirteen plus years, uh, solo entrepreneur, and I've just had some bad business experiences in terms of working with the wrong people. Like I never should have worked with that person. So that's kind of what comes to mind when you when you ask that question. Uh, Something I wish I didn't do is not working with certain
0: people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, What is your definition of success?
1: My definition of success, I think, is pretty much doing something that you enjoy and at the same time having a positive impact on other people. Uh, I think if you can do that, you're you're definitely a a success. Mm how do you recharge sleep? <laughs> so I try to get, I try to get as much sleep um, as, as possible. Sometimes I just, uh, I can't get it for whatever reason. I'm a little tired today. Cause I had a, I agreed to do an, a, another podcast like early in the morning, but it was the only time, you know, so when things like that happen um, I, I definitely feel like it affects me mentally, but sleep is the best recharge. As much sleep as I can get.
0: So, aside from memory, what else are you awesome at? Uh, aside
1: from memory, what else am I awesome at? I think I'm just pretty good in general at personal, professional development, but only because I learned. I've, well, I've, I haven't completely learned it, I guess, but I've tried my best to benefit from that lesson of just get started. You know, when I really, something interests me, you know, sign up for the class right away, um, you know, just get started in it. And I think that's gone a long way toward helping me to slowly develop new skills over time.
0: What legacy do you want to leave?
1: Um, I really just based on what I'm doing, I I hope that my legacy will be to have made an, an impact on the world in terms of helping people to develop better memory uh, memories and sharper minds around, around the world.
0: Give the listeners one motivational takeaway.
1: One motivational takeaway I think is that we've seen, hopefully people saw with that interactive exercise that in terms of memory you can probably do a lot more than you might currently think to be as possible for you. And I think that doesn't just to apply to memory. It probably applies to many different areas of your life. I think we might be capable of doing a lot more than we currently think in certain areas, but we just need to get started in in improving and and learn the right approach practice a little bit.
0: Okay, Chester. So tell the listeners how, they can connect with you if they want to work with you. Where's your next speaking event? Um, tell us what you got going on.
1: Yeah, so really, if people would like to go deeper in terms of memory skills development, uh, I have an online school. The URL is memoryschool.net. I would visualize maybe a giant fishing net to remember that it's .net. So it's memoryschool.net. I set up code Trina in honor of being on your show. Uh, I set it to be valid for 25 uses. I have no idea how many people from your audience might be interested in it, but in any case, the first 25 people to use code Trina should see the enrollment fee go down to zero. So um, there is normally a $200 enrollment fee to get started at memoryschool.net, but use code Trina. If you are one of the first people, anyway, first 25 to use it, you should see that enrollment fee go down to zero.
0: Wow. So listeners, don't forget, go to memoryschool.net and use code Trina to get free enrollment. So that's very good. And I want to thank you for doing that. That's very generous of you. Um, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Um you this has been kind of fun and putting me on the spot and I actually got everything right. So I'm happy.
1: (laughs) Great job. Yeah. You were very impressive. Flawless there under the pressure. Um, You know, thank you again for having me on. Uh, I added you on Instagram before this people can find me there as well on Instagram. I look forward to keeping in touch with you. Thank you again, Trina.
0: If you like Trina talk podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving, because success is a journey, not a destination.